You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak with Haley Ruffner and Shayla Smith about their sales roles, working in the agriculture industry, and how they develop relationships. Haley Ruffner is a summa cum laude graduate of Alfred University with an English degree and equine business management minor. She rode on the Western and Hunt Seat IHSA teams. She interned with Tim McQuay, the National Reining Horse Association's first ever $2 million rider. She republished three out-of-copyright books with original introductions while in college, worked as a publishing intern, and was a teaching assistant for both publishing and writing classes. In addition, she wrote four years' worth of weekly blogs detailing her collegiate writing experience on HorseNation.com. After graduating, Haley traveled to Colorado to work as a wrangler on horseback-guided elk hunts, taking care of the horses in the backcountry and helping to pack out elk in the Calabria Mountain Range. While working remotely as an editor for two years, she also worked at a hay farm and spent time with horse trainers as a server and barista, as a contractor's assistant, and at a greenhouse and farmer's market. Haley now works as a sales broker for Ainbrook and has become a market expert on horse hay and shavings. She writes both educational and anecdotal articles for the Ainbrook blog, and when not at her desk, you can find her visiting local farmers on cattle drives or out riding somewhere. Haley lives in Alamosa, Colorado. Shayla Smith grew up on a ranch in New Mexico rodeoing and riding cutting horses. She is a four-time state high school champion cutter, the 2001 state champion breakaway roper, and 2002 national high school champion cutter. Shayla has won jackpots and breakaway, a finalist in multiple NCHA events, and has qualified for the American semifinals several times. She has worked for several of the top cutting horse trainers and is currently training rope horses. Shayla started flying helicopters in 2009. She has flown tours around Mount Rushmore and in the Grand Canyon. In 2014, Shayla started flying medevac for a large company out of New Mexico and then transferred with the same company to Uvalde, Texas. In 2018, she flew the news helicopter out of Denver, Colorado, and then in 2020, she flew medevac out of Farmington, New Mexico. Shayla lives in Stephenville, Texas with her two dogs, four horses, and two kids. Her current role is a sales broker at Aidenbrook. Join us at the 2023 Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular on July 11th through 16th at White Hollow Farm in Stillwater, New York. With this year's theme of wellness, prosperity, and wisdom, you can hear from speakers, listen to panels, participate in activities, and network at our cocktail party. Mark your calendar to save the dates now and stay tuned to hear more from equestrian businesswomen about the schedule and exciting news to come. Shayla and Haley, we're really happy to have you here today um, to learn more about your extensive backgrounds and really interesting things that you've done uh, kind of leading up to the career that you have now. And so we're excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This is such an honor. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I actually am kind of excited to hear uh, your opinions about your jobs because you work for the same company. 
and you're in yeah. an industry that is not typically something women would be in. Um, so I want to see if you guys have the same kind of views or if they're different a little bit. Um, so I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, so Shayla, we're going to start with you. And I just want to know, um, with working at Aidenbrook, what is the biggest challenge you face as a hay sales broker? Being a constant pest. Um, having to call people over and over and not just accepting no is pretty challenging to me. I've actually had to train myself to and talk myself up before I make a call again. Like, it's okay. It's okay. This is what you're supposed to do. Just be nice and they'll (laughs) be receptive eventually, you know? And at first, you know, I just would be like, no, they said, no, okay. I'm not going to call them back. But, um, now I'm getting to where I can actually, I don't mind. I'm like, I'm just going to pester them, you know, once a week, if it's like a big deal or, you know, every day, if I need to find out information and they're not getting it to me. So I'm kind of getting, I'm becoming a pest, which is, kind of, you know, the, what, how, how you be successful in the sales industry. Yeah. You have to kind of ask for what you want for, which is, you Uh know, I am also being in sales and, you know, it is, I think that that's a really big struggle is learning to, to be able to speak up and over and over ask for things for the same people. And Haley, what's the biggest challenge that you face as a hay sales broker at Aidenbrook? My answer is going to be much in the same vein as Shayla's. I would say my biggest challenge, especially in the beginning, was just the sheer volume of cold calls that I was making, Um, you know, where you you have to make a call and you know that they're going to be awkward and uncomfortable in the beginning, um, but you have to get on the phone and do it anyway. And so that was such a challenge um, just in terms of, you know, feeling like a pest, thinking I didn't yet have the market knowledge that I needed to really provide a good service for people. Um, And so I think you know, learning how to just push through the cold calls, accept that they're going to have to be awkward before they can be good. Um, And, you know, and coming to the understanding also that, no, I I am providing a really good and valuable service for both my farmers and my customers. And that eventually they're going to learn that they do want to talk to me. Um, You know, but then in the meantime, I am going to feel like a pest and I am going to feel not confident or awkward um, just making those phone calls and just banging them out. And I think it's really helpful when you believe in the products that you're selling, right? Both of you have um, an extensive equine background. So, you know, I think that that's, that's great. Um, what's one piece of advice that you can give to someone that, that's getting into the sales role? Haley, let's start with you. I would say my biggest piece of advice, having not come from a sales background at all, is to, especially in the beginning, approach it sort of as a mental exercise rather than basing your success um, or your perception of your own success on your actual performance and deals closed. Um, So, you know, especially in the beginning, I would make it my goal to be told no as many times as possible in a day, just because that meant that I was making the connections that I need to make, um, you know, and that would eventually lead me to a yes. So when I first started out, I was nervous that something bad was going to happen or that I was going to be rejected on a phone call. And that, that I perceived as, a bad thing or as a failure on my part. And then I learned to sort of shift my, my mental viewpoint on that to, you know, awkward things are going to happen. I'm going to have uncomfortable phone calls. Um, but that's just, that's part of growth. You know, that's leading me closer to getting a yes from someone. Hmm. I think that could apply to kind of anyone in business really of being persistent and kind of going for, like you said, going for the yes, no matter 
if it's hard in the beginning and um i like that you're able to you know still say okay this isn't comfortable for me but i'm gonna keep pushing because i think a lot of people probably have the same situation you know even if they're starting a business uh it may not be cold calling but it it is still trying to reach out to people and be able to share what you do and and why your product is so good so yeah i like that and so i was listening to a podcast recently and um this woman was talking about you know how to learn to get uncomfortable and her suggestion was to start out when you're like at a restaurant and not order off the menu, like order something or change your meal. Like it doesn't have to be exactly what's on the menu. So ask for something that's not on the menu and it might be a little bit uncomfortable for you, but that'll get you started in being able to ask for things that, you know, you're a little uncomfortable asking for. So I thought that was kind of an interesting tip to kind of break the ice, you know? (laughs) And yeah, and, because you're in the situation where people, where you're the customer and people yeah. are trying to make you happy. So if you can ask yeah. for something that makes you uncomfortable, then at least yeah. they're going to try. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I thought that was a really interesting concept. Hmm. Uh, Shayla, what's one piece of advice that you can give to someone um, that's getting into sales? Um, I think that it's a kind of a broad spectrum on that in the equine agricultural industry. So it's since I'm, you know, perceiving myself as a sales broker in for the first time in hay sales that also applies to, you know, in the equine industry shoeing or, you know, providing um, equine therapy to anything, you have to build a book of business and relationships to get um, to have success. And that takes time. And um, you have to understand that it takes a lot of time, sometimes six months or a year of providing a good service, a good product and being persistent and developing a good relationship with the people that you want to work with and uh, need to work with um, regardless as if they do put you off or, you know, get upset with you because things don't go perfect. You can't help, you know, that sometimes. So I'd say um, just building the book of business and to build meaningful relationships and, keep telling yourself that it's okay. It's going to take time. (laughs) Well, I will tell you. So my boss, when I first started my job at Decra in sales, he was like, you have like 16 to 18 months. Like that's how long the learning curve is for somebody new coming into this industry and into a sales position like this. And so, you know, he, I had a lot of leeway through those 16 to 18 months to like figure out the job and how to do it and build those relationships and build off mm-hmm. of relationships I already had. So I do think right. you're, you know, when, when people feel like they're three months in and it's a panic and you're like, I haven't done anything. You're like, no, no, no. It's yeah. going to take a lot of time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. That's been hard about, for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like in the horse business, you know, that may probably in any business, it's all about who, you know, but, I feel like you probably came into this being like, well, I know tons of horse people. I can reach out to them. I can, you know, sell to people I already know, but I feel like even that is still challenging because you. Well, it's, it's hard because horse people have a tendency of being, um, liking to stay with what they have and not accepting change. And they don't want to, they're like, well, this is working for me. I don't really want, I like, you know, you're my friend, but 
I really mm-hmm. like this. So it's, it's hard, yeah. you know, to get people to just accept change or to move to something different and, mm-hmm. and make it work. Sometimes I find it harder to ask my friends for, for things. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'd rather go yeah. to like a complete stranger and just be like, Me. oh, you know, do you need to buy something? Because, you know, when you have those relationships with your friends, you're like, well, I don't want them to feel obligated, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it would be nice if it, they were supporting me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's almost higher stakes if you have a pre-existing relationship with someone because then you feel it so is. much more pressure to do a good job for them and that nothing can go wrong right. in the deal, you know? So yeah. it's almost yeah. it's easier, I think, to call complete strangers, like you said, Jennifer. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You put the pressure on yourself that you want it to be perfect for this person that you know. And I, I have um I have a couple of friends who have changed companies or positions within the pharmaceutical industry, and they've struggled when they've gone back to their contacts and people that they considered friends and they had developed relationships with when that person didn't support the product or the position that they were Mm -hmm. in or the company that they worked for. And, you know, finding that that was a struggle. And I, I have to say, even when I moved from Blue Chip to Majestic View Farm, like I thought that I would be able to have friends horses and people would trust me and it would be you know like I had a big position at blue chip and then I was a general manager and I thought okay I'll just it'll be easy for me to get business and it was a struggle because people were happy where they were at or with the Mm -hmm. system they had going and they didn't want to change and I was like wow I thought these guys were my friends and it was a little lonely I feel like oh man I bet (laughs) Hmm. so and um Shayla just going back to something you said earlier about you know, um, you had to put out a lot of cold calls, but maybe the, like the response wasn't there. And I don't know if this is uh, like a symptom of the pandemic, but do you feel like people just don't bother with communication <laughs> anymore? Like they don't call back, they don't answer emails. Like you have to be that person constantly going out and being like hey remember me hey i emailed you a week ago hi i here i am again like i don't know i feel like even you know in my business a lot of times uh i feel like i always have to respond immediately to everything and it's taking me a while to be like no you don't have to answer that email at 10 o'clock at night you can wait until you're at your desk in the next morning but it does it does get frustrating when i like I have people that just don't even bother to answer me. And I'm wondering if you guys have had that same experience in your jobs as well. Yeah. And I think the biggest factor of that is um, the world is moving so fast right now and mm. everything is at your fingertips. If you need it, you can go on Amazon and click and have it right, right away. And, you know, people have so much going on, including me, like it, that mm. you you skip and miss some of the most important things in your day because yeah. you are going too fast and, and have, have too much going on. So I, I think that, you know, yes, some people do avoid you and don't want to respond or, you know, don't have the time or whatever the thing is. But I think that a lot of it, it, it is because of, you know, like you said, the pandemic or just the times right now is there's no communication. All of it's done on social media through text message. It's, yeah. it's hard to get people on the phone. Um, to have an actual conversation with you, even in a restaurant, like all these young kids, you know, going in there and you try to talk to them. They don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to talk to you. (laughs) And um, it's bleeding over, you know, into the 
agricultural and Western industry pretty mm. hard. And I think that um, I am grateful that a lot of these farmers are older men that, you know, don't communicate that way. They'd rather yeah. pick up the phone and talk to you, yeah. um, you know, and, and still some of the feed stores are still, you know, in, in the, the hay sales department is what I'm talking about. There's mm-hmm. still some of that good old boy um, syndrome. And I, I appreciate that these days. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's interesting. Cause I always find, I mean, my business partner says this all the time. Like you can get more accomplished in a 20 minute face-to-face or a 10 minute phone call than you can with 20 emails going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much miscommunication and text message mm-hmm. and emails and, and misunderstanding and, and emotions that get brought in that don't need to be in because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't hear the tone of your voice. They think you're being rude or they think you're putting them off or whatever the case, you know, right. a good conversation in person is definitely the best in my opinion. Yeah. I find that if I ask, if I write an email and I ask three questions, I'm lucky if I get one answer to the questions that I asked. It's so <laughs> yeah. frustrating because I'm mm-hmm. trying to make it easy. Like I'm putting it all in one email for you. Here are the questions I have. And they'll answer one of them and not answer the two. And I'm like, okay, now I got to go back and ask again for these two questions. It's, I yeah. find it really frustrating because I feel that's the way like I communicate best is just like, boom, 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 here it is. And give me your answers. And other people just want to like, expound on one question no that doesn't work (laughs) for me it's interesting like (laughs) you know finding the different communication skills and the differences between generations as well that I'm sure you guys see absolutely yeah Yeah, I I feel like and Shayla I, I think you would probably agree but I think we operate on such a spectrum of people that we deal with like you said we have some farmers that have a flip phone And you need to go to their farm and meet with them and hand them physical paperwork. They want you to mail them a check. They don't want anything to do with direct deposit, ACH, emails, not interested. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you have your like millennial horse trainer that might text you back one word because they're so busy that they don't even have time to pick up the phone or, you know, talk to you in person. And so it's, it's been super interesting. And I think a really fun challenge to learn how to navigate all of those different kinds of people. Yeah. 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 And I think you're better for it, you know, Mm -hmm. of knowing those skills and how to deal with different kinds of people. And for me, I feel like though, sometimes it makes me an overthinker, right? So I send somebody a message, like Mm. a Facebook message, right? And you see that they've read it and they haven't responded. And you're just like, so is that a no? Like, is the no answer Mm -hmm. the answer? Or, you know, because I told you, you know, you it was no rush or not a big deal or whatever. <laughs> Are you just not answering? Cause I said no rush, you know, and I, I never that. say no rush. And I have said that. <laughs> never say yeah. that. Cause then they'll just never answer you. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I, that was my mistake. I shouldn't have said that, but you know, <laughs> I actually do need an answer. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I also find it very frustrating because I'm like, well, how hard is it to just say yes, no, need more time, whatever. Like, if you read it, <laughs> then yeah. where's why can't you respond? So I know right. that that is a struggle. And I imagine that's a big struggle for you guys as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Shayla, um, you mentioned, you know, you have uh, equine background. Uh, can you talk a little bit about it and like what skills you think from that equine background helped you become a good salesperson? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. 
Um, nothing. I think the sales background is actually helping me be a, be a better equine person. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, because I, you know, I grew up raising my own horses. My family did. And so mm-hmm. I followed into those footsteps. Um, and I love horses and have a very deep emotional connection with them. Um, and so I struggle and um, don't sell them. I like to collect. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, people always do want to buy my horses and I can't let them go because I love them too much. Yeah. So being in this side of things is helping me understand like kind of how the process works and not to just kind of want to hold it all for myself, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how the equine industry has helped me in other ways, I guess would be, you know, just communicating with people, having to train, you know, horses and update them on things and, um, helping them, you know, just helping people figure out what they need and what they Mm -hmm. want to help. Like, um, I have a lot of people come to me about nutrition and, Mm -hmm. and how to take care of horses and what do I feed and what do I do to keep my horses healthy and sound. Um, so, um, I guess that, that communication and, and working through things with people that way has helped me in sales department too. For sure. Yeah. And, um, Haley, you had horses in your, you know, growing up as well. Can you talk about that and kind of that transition and what you brought along with you? Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, I'm constantly finding myself in this job relating um, ways that I like fix situations in sales or just ways that I look at my job back to my experience with horses. Um, And I'm constantly, you know, using analogies of how I work with young horses or my experience showing or catch riding or whatever um, to this job as well. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the mental control that you need both in either catch riding or working with young horses or whatever, and in sales, Um, just in that you, if you get upset, you've lost, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're putting the first ride on a young horse and you're nervous or frustrated or, you know, you've got other things going on in your mind, you've already defeated yourself, it's guaranteed to not go well. Mm. Um, And so I think having the ability to kind of exude confidence and calmness, even if that's not what you're actually feeling, is so important with horses, but also with sales. Um, You know, if you're making a difficult phone call or dealing with conflict or whatever it is, um, if you can be on that phone call and just be completely even keeled and calm in the face of a man who's yelling at you or, you know, an upset customer, whatever, um, then your I think your chances of success are much higher. Um, and so I, I constantly find myself going back to that where the kind of the mental process that I use to make myself calm to go in the show ring or to ride a young horse is the same as what I go through if I know I'm going to have to make a difficult phone call. Hmm. That's cool. And um, Haley, you, you talked about, you know, people being upset or or dealing with that, how do you cope with the rejection that inevitably comes with sales? I would say I relate this back to horses also, just in terms of, especially showing um, for this question, I think that really sets you up to learn how to deal with rejection. Um, You know, especially if you start riding or showing at a young age, Um, you know, if you, if you have a bad ride in the show pen and you have to go back in and show later, 
if you don't learn how to kind of take your ego out of the equation, brush yourself off, go back in with a clean slate, um, then it's very easy to be kind of self-defeating. And so I think the same principle applies to dealing with rejection in a sales-related position where, you know, you're going to have phone calls that go badly where you get rejected, sometimes very thoroughly, sometimes in a way that might be insulting to you or whatever it may be. Um, And you have to just be able to brush yourself off and come back into the next phone call with a positive attitude, with a clean slate, um, you know, and just be able to, to go back at it as though that previous phone call never even happened. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a skill you have to work at though. I find, uh, I don't think that comes easily to most people. (laughs) Oh no. And often I'll have to sort of do the same thing that I would with my horse. So if I go in the show pen and I have a bad ride, you know, say I go in a raining class and we drag a lead and blow through a stop and run out of a, you know, (laughs) whatever might happen, especially when you're showing young horses. Um, you know, you sometimes have to just then go work on something that you know, you're good at. So, you know, I might have a disaster in the show pen, and then I might just go out and work on some light lateral movement in the warm up pen, or, you know, just walk, even just let us both take a breather, do something that we're good at, get both of our confidence back up and then go back in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've used that in this job too, you know, where if I have a really terrible phone call, I might go take my dog for a walk or I might, you know, (laughs) I might do some research and work on an article for the Aiden Brook blog. I might just completely go off and do something that I know I'm good at, that I know will build my confidence back up before I go back and make another phone call just so that I know I can come back in having given myself like a hard reset. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. I really like that. And um, Shayla, is there a way that you cope with rejection as well? Kind of same as Haley said, you know, all that was great. Um, I mean, I'll go outside and I'll clean stalls if I need a moment. <laughs> I'll go do that. Um, but, you know, there's all, all through life, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that rejection comes in all forms and it's constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you, in when it comes to your job and everything, you have to understand and, and know that it's a business. It's not personal. And keep telling yourself that take that moment because yeah, rejection sucks and it can piss you off. But <laughs> um, you just like I always tell myself, this is just business. It's fine. There's a lot of people out there. I can make more calls. Right. We'll move on. And maybe then, you know, later revisit when they have a fresh, you know, mindset or maybe you caught the person at a bad time or they were busy or pissed off at somebody else and took it out on you, you know. So um, that's kind of the ways that I look at it. Yeah. And I think I might've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I have a friend who gives talks and her mom was um, an actress and she took some acting classes and she, she often when she was in sales would use that, like that she would get into a character and then that wasn't, that's how she didn't take things personally. Yeah. And, and actually I met somebody recently who, uh, was like really great at sales and I was admiring his sales skills and how he approached people and come to find out he also was an actor and a comedian. And so he had that ability to kind of like separate, like if people gave him a dirty look or just walk by his booth or, you know, they didn't engage. He was just like, it's fine. Like it, it didn't affect him. You know, me, I'd be like devastated. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. my God, they hated me. And it's, and it's not like, it's not me. It's, you know, maybe the situation or the product or something. And so I think it, 
it, being able to like separate that so you don't take it personally is um, kind of important. And when you're trying to overcome hope with the rejection aspect of sales. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so I want you guys to peel back the hood a little bit on the, the jobs that you do in day to day, you know, maybe give our listeners a little bit of an inside look of what hay sales brokers look like and the difficulties that you have day to day. So Haley, if you can kind of start and let us know what, what difficulties you have and maybe even how you kind of navigate through that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of my biggest difficulties, so being in the San Luis Valley in Colorado, I work with a lot of our vendors out here. So we are in the largest Alpine Valley in the world. A ton of hay is grown out here. Um, a lot of it ships into Texas. A lot of it ships into the East Coast market, down into Florida and whatnot. And so a big part of my job is finding new hay, maintaining our relationships with our existing farmers out here. Um, you know, I'll go out to look at hay. I'll go take videos when they're doing first cutting. Um, I'll go pull tests on stacks so that we have a good nutritional profile for new hay. And so in working with a lot of these farmers, which Ash Taylor said are mostly older men, um, something that I've struggled with a little bit is that I don't feel always as though they take me seriously on our first meeting. So I've had a lot of farmers tell me, oh, you remind me of my daughter or my granddaughter, which is sweet, but not really the reaction that I'm hoping for, you know, coming in as a businesswoman saying, hey, I'd like to buy your hay. Um, <laughs> and so I think how I've combated this is just coming in and having a really good idea of the local market and how this hay fits in it and just being confident that I have that knowledge and that even if someone is not inclined to take me seriously based on my age or my appearance or whatever, um, that they're going to have to take me seriously based on my expertise and the service that I can provide them. Yeah, that's, that's a really great way to, to come back is to be knowledgeable and be an expert at something. Right. <laughs> and, and Shayla, how about for you? Can you kind of tell us, um, you know, what difficulties you have and how you navigate through them in your day-to-day part of your job? You know, I, um, dealing with hay, um, and growing, growing hay and, you know, buying and selling it has a lot to do with the weather. So, you know, throughout the seasons, you know, each day you have difficulties of, like through the winter, trucks not getting into farms to pick up hay. So you have delays. Then you have a mass messed up customers, which creates more phone calls, which keeps you stagnant on, you know, growing your business, your book of business. <laughs> um, those things, um, truckers, you know, having to having to deal with them. You know, I've had a few just not show up or decide they weren't going to do it. Um, those things, uh, you know, rejection on you know, hay that you send in, you know, I had some, I had to deal with for months, a, a load of straw that got rejected and, and the, the customer wanted, wanted me to move it. And I tried and tried and tried when I, it, we were very clear on what that, what it was and, you know, going in there and, and everything, and he still wanted it. So I, I booked it. And then when he got it, he didn't want it. And, you know, you just, those are, those are day-to-day things that um, take up a lot of your time and you need lots of stall cleaning or dog walking. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, let's just agree that logistics, like trucking and yeah. stuff, is a nightmare for just about everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really? For everybody. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, I know I ship pallets of fluids to different locations. And oh, man, the number of times I've gotten calls and and yeah. the trucking company has changed something on the BOL. They called the wrong person. They, you know, yeah. like mm. delivered to the wrong location. Yeah. So uh, I feel you on that. Or you send <laughs> a fully ending. tarped, you want it to be fully tarped and it go, shows up with two tarps, one kind of in the middle on the front and then a big space and one maybe over the back <laughs> a little bit. And you're like, well, how is yeah. that fully tarped? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have different interpretations. Yeah. Of full. Yeah. <laughs> And especially, I think you mentioned the weather and how, yeah. you know, it, it affects growing, cutting, yeah, definitely. shipping, you the know, whole, it's, the yeah. whole process of I think it. It's yeah. our biggest obstacle. Wow. For sure. And it's like, you, you can't, I mean, a lot of times that is the excuse why something isn't there for a customer, but, you know, do they really, yeah. <laughs> are they saying? Or it like, shows up and, and it's pouring rain and, they're mm-hmm. mad because they're having to unload a truck and pouring rain and it's getting their product wet. I mean, right. like you can be sympathetic right. all day and really truly understand that that's a frustration, but there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You yeah. know, that's hard. So for sure. And, um, do you Shayla find it hard to be like the, the middleman middle woman between all of that, but like between the farmer and selling it to a customer? I think there's, yes, uh, 50-50 on that. There's a lot, definitely a lot of challenges, but, you know, it's also um, helpful to have, you know, more players in the game and more resources to get things figured out. So kind of both ends. Yeah. Okay. And Haley, what about you? Like, would your job be easier if all you had to do was just find farmers and not have to find the buyers for the product? I struggled with this question and I think Shayla really hit the nail on the head where in some ways, yes, but I also think that having access to both ends of these deals is really helpful for kind of everyone involved. Um, I'll go back to an example, like from the San Luis Valley, where last year we got a ton of rain, our monsoon season came early and our second cutting for most of the farmers just didn't come out the quality that they were hoping. A lot of them already had that, hey, committed to dairies that they've worked with for years and years and it got rained on and it wasn't going to be dairy quality hay. And so because we already had a network of feedlots that just wanted grinder quality hay that could be a little hot or a little moldy or caramelized in the center, Mm -hmm. um, we were able to bring that product to market for them in a way that we wouldn't necessarily have been able to had we not had that market of customers pre-existing. so I think, yeah, the the resources that we have because we're working with both the farmers and the customers um, helps us to provide a really valuable service that even though it comes with challenges, um, has been has been really interesting to navigate, I think. Yeah, for sure. And do you think, um, like, what do those relationships look like? Are they... Like, I feel like in the horse business, we we tend to get um, maybe a lot closer with clients because we share that love of horses and like you get to know people better. And um, whereas, you know, probably in some businesses, it's purely transactional. Like, do you feel that 
you do have those great relationships on both sides of it. And Haley, you can go first. I would say, yeah, absolutely. And there's such a spectrum, again, of people, of kind of the depth of relationships that people want with their hay broker. So I have some, you know, I think especially my horse customers want to call and just talk to me about the new paint color they're putting on their barn or the, that their horse is lame again. And, you know, all of the issues that surround that. And, and they just want to sort of make conversation with me, which I'm more than happy to do. And, you know, I can share my experiences as well. And that's a great way to develop a better relationship with someone and just build the trust there. And then, you know, a lot of my dairy and feedlot customers, it is purely transactional. So I think that's been a really fun challenge as well to, you know, still build relationships and deepen those relationships with my customers that do tend to be more purely transactional because they are so important while also keeping the customers um, who just want to call and chat, keeping those conversations productive um, just because everyone is so busy. Um, So it's been, um, you know, learning how to kind of walk that line of needing to deepen relationships and also needing to keep conversations productive um, is, has been a skill that I'm definitely still working on developing. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a really interesting way to look at it. I mean, I I wouldn't think about that, but I think that's like a a good piece of advice for everybody in business, right? Because we do, a lot of businesses do have relationships and transactional, but keeping those great uh, relationships to where it's productive would be important. I mean, like how many times do you see where riding instructors are chatting up to somebody while they're in the ring because it's their buddy and their friends and it's a good client and they're just chatting away um, when they have somebody else, you know, something else going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's that would be useful to be like, you know what, how productive is this? Like, can we keep it to what needs to get done now and maybe find another time to socialize? specifically in, you know, hay sales and stuff and the job I'm working is I kind of feel like with my vendors, they want to chat and have more of a friendship conversation more so like the farmers and stuff, you know, um, than I would if I called a feed store because, you know, they're busy. They're just wanting to get their order put in, you know, click, click here. I want to show up this day done, or they'll want to just text. I need this now. Um, but I do find that, you know, that would be over the phone. Now, I have not really gone and vi- visited farmers like Kaylee, so I don't know if she has the same experience I do. But over the phone, they really want to chat. And they're really good about the market, talking and educating you on how it all works, even how freight works. Like, I've learned a lot through talking to um, the couple of farmers that I do have on my list and building that relationship and, you know, kind of playing into and and learning because I don't know, but just like, you know, they want to talk to me because I'll sit there and listen to them about how to do things and try to take their advice on how to bring a truck into their place and what works and what doesn't. Um, And that's all about building a relationship. And then like with the feed stores going in, you'll get a completely different response than just them taking orders over the phone you go in and they'll, they'll sit there and want to talk to you about life, you know? So, um, I don't know. Relationships are funny. I'm still working on them too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that you guys kind of both touched a little bit on this, but can we dive in a little deeper into like what it's like being a woman working in agriculture? Shayla, you can start. I have worked amongst men my entire life, whether it's been training horses 
flying helicopters or now hay sales. Um, the saying actions speak louder than words um, is huge. You know, you'll go in there, like Haley said earlier, and they don't take you seriously, um, especially if you're a tall blonde. They really don't. <laughs> um, I don't look smart. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, you go in and, and they just kind of like, oh, great. You know, and then I just make sure I'm good at what I do. And I just do my job and show them and um, actions speak louder than words. And it's always worked for me in that way. Yes, it can be frustrating, you know, but because especially in the aviation industry, um, I worked in an area where there was several companies and one company in particular would not hire women. They refused to, to fly, but they had to legally. So they would hire the front desk girls. And that's how they would hire their amount of women, but they would not. And I don't, I still don't think they hire women to fly. Um, so I've dealt with that stuff in, in being in the man's industry and stuff. Um, and I do find, I do find that when you call um, farmers, and I don't know if Haley feels the same way, but they, when they hear a woman on the phone, they're just kind of like, <sighs> and you have to like sit there and just kind of have a conversation with them and tell them about like what you're about and everything. And, kind of build that up to um, kind of get their attention and not in a, not in any funny way, but um, you almost have to, and it goes with any man. I don't know if this is good to say, but you kind of have to stroke their ego and make them feel like it's their idea. And then you can get a long ways with that. Well, my mother-in-law always says that I should go in the back door with my husband, but like, that's not my personality. So that's yeah. where the conflicts <laughs> arise because I'm, I'm just going to hit it straight between the eyes, to be honest with you. I know. Oh, I know. But you know, if you make it, I know it's my idea and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 So, so I understand that is probably a very difficult, that would be a very difficult skill for me to have. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Too. I had yeah. definitely had to, I had to learn it. Um, and, and flying <laughs> helicopters, you know, we, you do a lot of check rides to, um, on paper, keep your skills on paper and that you are actually doing recurrent training and stuff. And you have to, when you get in with that instructor pilot, it's not about how you fly. It's about how they fly. And you go in there and you do what they want to do. You get through the check ride and then you go about doing your own business. Mm. And that mm. has helped me, you know, be successful in a man's industry as well is, you know, learning that and not being like, no, like that isn't right. <laughs> that will get me <laughs> killed out there. You know, I'm not going to do that. Nope. You just do it the way they want to do it. And then you go back to doing it the safe way, you know, and that's the reality of like aviation side of things. Yeah. yeah. And Haley, how about what you like, what's it like working? You, you mentioned it before, but is there anything else that you, you want to add to being a woman in agriculture? Yeah, I think on a more positive note too, um, I think it's a really great and increasingly great community to be involved in. And there are so many women out there that are breaking new ground in agriculture. And I think that's more visible nowadays with, you know, so much access to information and social media and women who now have a voice to be able to tell their story, um, you know, about their role in agriculture and the ways that they're you know, thriving in a world that was previously and maybe still so male dominated. Um, there's an Instagram account. I think it's called Women in Ranching, 
that I follow um, that really touches on a lot of those stories. Um, so that's been a really interesting thing to kind of follow as I've gotten more into the agriculture industry. But yeah, I, I completely agree with Shayla as well that it's it's sometimes easier and more effective to not argue with men who don't want to take you seriously on the basis of you can't just not listen to me because I'm a woman or, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of approach yeah. your face on like that, that you just have to let your knowledge speak for itself. Um, and if, you know, if they don't want to listen to you as a market expert at that point, then that's on them and it's their loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other opportunities do you see out there for women in agriculture? Um, Haley, you can start. Okay. Um, I, I would say for based on my own personal experience that I think your, your opportunities are kind of only limited by your own experiences and the things that you're looking for. So prior to being recruited for this job, I had no idea that working remotely as a hay sales broker was even a remote possibility. I didn't know that that was a career option at all. Um, I came from the, the editing and publishing industry um, with an equine background, obviously, as well. And I was actually visiting family in Florida over the winter, working for a horse trainer. And Steve Lamb, who's the vice president of Aidenbrook, was a client of this horse trainer and approached me um, to ask if I would be interested in this job. So this wasn't really something that I actively sought out or thought that I had an adequate background for necessarily. And yet here I am and I'm thoroughly enjoying this work. Um, And it's just something that I would have no idea, you know, two years ago that this was even a remote possibility. Mm -hmm. So I think just kind of keeping all of your options open, following whatever your passions are. And I think, you know, that, that in itself will open up new opportunities for you that you might not know existed. Yeah. Yeah. And Shayla, do you see any other opportunities for women in agriculture? Yeah, I second everything Haley said. And then, um, I mean, I have friends in marketing that have one in particular. She's amazing. She, you know, started, um, helped the um, Cowboy Magazine get going. And then she ended up going on and helping all these big um, the PBR, she got that mm. rolling in the marketing wise and got it really rolling big and helped them get going. Then she moved on to the American and helped them get that marketed and going. Mm. And now she's for a, uh, working for a, a Smarty. It's a steer rope and dummy um, franchise mm-hmm. that like it's it's just huge and she's marketing for that. Um, so anything within that, um, and as well as. You know, I, I mean, I've got another friend that's in the NRCS. She uh, has created maps from scratch of large areas and knows grasslands and helps uh, ranchers all throughout Wyoming um, manage their land to help it, you know, produce and grow and and be profitable for them. So, you know, there's there is so many opportunities in agriculture for women and and I have so many friends that are very successful in it. It's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, this is a recurring theme in a lot of our guests is that, um, you know, people didn't realize they could make a living from this, whatever their job is, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, so many people come into the industry thinking they want to be a rider or a trainer and realizing you know, either they don't want to do it, they don't have the constitution for it, they, you know, they can't handle the stress of it, whatever it may be. And 
kind of turning to these other opportunities and finding that they love them just as much. And it's providing either, you know, a better uh, career for them, giving them, you know, time to have a family or time to have other hobbies or travel, you know, all those things that they may not have had if they had just stayed with the horses full time. So I think it's really cool to see, you know, um, all of these different aspects and really pointing it out to people, um, you know, especially if we're looking at uh, kids who are in equine studies programs in colleges and saying, you know, all of these skills that you learn about the horse can be transferred to such a huge variety of careers. So it's cool Mm -hmm. to hear that you guys have been able to do that as well and still keep your hand in the horses and be riding and, um, and do that. I always said, you know, uh, halfway through college, I think it was right. Connor, where I was like, "Mm, this professional career is not going to work out, but maybe I should have a marketing degree so that I can have a job in order to pay for the horses that I want to (laughs) ride. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, kind of further to Jen's question, um, you know, what would you like to maybe see change in the agriculture industry? Is there something that you've found that could be improved, Shayla? That's a hard question. You know, yeah. I, I mean, you don't want to talk politics, but of course it's the the government and all the regulations they're throwing throughout the entire industry, farming and, and raising cattle and everything wise. And, you know, it's, it's pretty scary because they could, they could definitely shut it down. Um, that's definitely something I would like to see change. Um, but, um, other than that, you know, I don't know. Haley. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I agree with Shayla. And I also think that there's still a big barrier to entry for newcomers to the agriculture industry. So it'd be nice to see that change a little bit and just open up more to people that aren't, you know, generational ranchers or that are sort of new um you know new to it or weren't as deeply involved as it as the people who you know you're working with think you ought to be maybe in order to be taken seriously so I think that would just be nice to see it become a more friendly industry and welcoming industry to newcomers I think it's um I think we need to get back to agriculture a little bit. Honestly, I think we've kind of grown away from it in that sustainability and just, you know, yeah, animals, horses, all of it. Open and land. Yes. And yeah. Well, people don't know where yes. they don't know where their food comes from or how it's raised and they think it's abuse and the mm-hmm. uh, education, I guess that yeah. there needs to be more education in it. Huh? Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably why um, farming is a little bit a, a dying breed because, and I know I've heard the conversations about, you know, well, once I'm done farming, I'm not doing hay anymore because my kids don't want to be in it because we've educated them the opposite way instead mm-hmm. of you know, the importance of um of farming and ranching, everybody thinks, oh, well, if I go out and get a better job, like I don't want to be stuck on the farm. I mean, even myself, I don't want to be stuck racing horses my whole life. So I went out and figured mm-hmm. out something different, you know, um, and that's reflecting in, in even like the standard bread industry, it's not growing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, 
people are dying off. And I feel like I, I hear those conversations about ranchers as well. So, you know, I know for me, when I was thinking about that question, I was like, I, I would just really like to see it kind of come back in and, and be part of education and understanding. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's such a good point. I know this is a little bit of a random question, but have you seen uh, due to either, you know, weather or climate change or the way the industry is of people taking land that used to be used for something else and then being able to grow hay on it and be able to, you know, like change what they have on their farm and adapt to the changing circumstances that they have? I would say out West, definitely. Um, I don't know that I'm so much seeing land that was used for other things being turned into farmland, Mm -hmm. but I think I have been seeing farmland adapted to changing environmental conditions. So water is a big, big concern throughout the West. Um, Colorado, Arizona, California have been in, in a pretty historic drought for several years now. And so, especially in the San Luis Valley, um, our aquifer is getting lower by the year. We're seeing more harsh water restrictions imposed on farmers. And so a lot of them, you know, we're seeing them switch to crops like triticale as opposed to alfalfa, just because it's not quite so water intensive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it requires less water to grow. It's a little bit easier to manage, you know, with the water restrictions that we're dealing with. So I think farmers definitely are adapting to new conditions and there is new technology coming out to make irrigation more sustainable and get more done with less water. So I think that I would say the waterfront is, is what I've seen the most innovation in and change in as far as farming goes out here. That's interesting. Um, Haley, what, now, I know you have an extensive equine background, but one of the cool things that I thought you did was um, you were an, a wrangler and a guide for um, elk hunts. So what did you learn from that experience? That's pretty <laughs> wild. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So two of my uncles um, are the guide and camp cook, respectively, for an outfitting business. We do horseback guided elk hunts in the backcountry in Colorado, and we hunt in areas that are so remote that you're not allowed motor vehicles. And so everything is done on horseback. If we get an elk, we quarter it, pack it out on horseback. Um, There's no phone signal most of the time where we're at. Um, So it's very remote. Um, And it it can be, I think, intimidating to newcomers just because it is, you know, it's truly you and your horse and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've got to figure it out. You know, you can't, you can't really call anyone for help. You can't, you know, I guess maybe now that I know Shayla through this job, I can call her and have her bring the search and rescue <laughs> helicopter out if needed. <laughs> but I think that that was has been a very cool and confidence building thing to have done for me, just because you know you have to you have to really rely on yourself and on your horse when you're out in the backcountry. And as the wrangler, a lot of my job is so I typically a day with that job, I'll get up at three in the morning, feed and saddle the horses. We ride out at four to get where we're trying to go before the sun rises when the elk start moving. And then I will, a lot of times I'll run back to camp to, you know, shuffle around pack horses or go get more horses. If someone gets an elk that we need to pack out and, you know, then we ride back into camp at nine o'clock at night, I feed and unsaddle the horses and we do it all again the next day. And it's, you know, week long hunt. So it can be pretty physically intense 
you know, we often ride upwards of ride and walk upwards of 20 miles a day. So it's just a lot of a lot of miles, a lot of kind of physical exhaustion. But at the end of the day, it's also a customer service job where you're having to keep the hunters happy, keep everyone positive, you know, and a lot of them don't come in with any riding experience. And so it's a lot of like, you know, hey, your, your saddle's shifting again, you need to straighten it back out. Because there is, again, that element of you're in the backcountry and you have to take care of yourself. And so, you know, if you roll your saddle off the side of the horse and break a rib, it that, you know, it becomes such a much a, a bigger deal than it would be if you just rolled off your horse in your arena at home. <laughs> and so the stakes are just elevated on everything. So it's been definitely a lesson in confidence and being careful and just trusting in yourself and your your abilities and your horse's abilities. That's wild. How many people usually go on a hunt? We typically, so we have our main camp and we typically take one or two hunters at a time. And then we'll also set up a more remote drop camp. So that'll be for hunters that don't want to be fully guided. We'll pack everything into their camp, have it completely ready for them. And then they're on their own. Unless they get an elk, then we come pack it out for them. Wow. Wow. That's cool. (laughs) And speaking of helping people who have broken things, uh, and hurt themselves. Shayla, you were a medevac uh, helicopter pilot, which sounds really cool. Um, how did you kind of get into that to begin with? Um, well, I mean, I used to train uh, horses back when mm-hmm. I was in high school and kind of early 20s, but um, I always wanted to fly. And so one of my friends actually got me into helicopters. I flew airplanes for a little bit and found that they were boring. So um, I decided to fly helicopters. Um, He finally convinced me and then I was hooked. Uh, So I, you know, I ended up after, you know, flying tours and and everything ended up in the medevac field. And it is, it's amazing. Like the flying is so fun and so cool. Um, You know, you get, day or night you get called out you know i worked up in farmington new mexico which is you know in the middle of the rockies you know we flew up through some of the biggest mountain ranges in the middle of the night where if you you know use mbgs so if you flip them up you literally can't see it's like a a pitch black room with no windows so um it's it's definitely it was a lot of fun it taught me a lot um of how to keep your cool for sure um you're navigating and trying to find uh, coordinates and, and people that are hurt in the middle of the night. And sometimes the coordinates are wrong or given to you improperly that could put you 15 minutes away. You've based your fuel off of everything because you have to make, meet a certain amount of weight and you have to make it back to the hospital you're going to or a fuel mm-hmm. stop. So, I mean, there's a lot to it. Um, so you definitely want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row before you, you know, you pull pitch and head that way. So so sales yeah. is super easy now. I was going to say, this is a much <laughs> less stressful life, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like you might be an adrenaline junkie. And, I think and so. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like, I was like, well, it's a little more stressful, but it's, oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. So yeah. That's it's really, really cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely. You know, this, this job is amazing. You know, I get to work from home and, and talk to people and, and be there for my kid when he gets off school. And that's something that, you know, the aviation industry didn't give me. So that's why I decided to, you know, put that on hold for a while. So, Mm. um, I really appreciate this job. (laughs) That's awesome. 
Well, it's such a pleasure talking to you both um, and hearing more about what you do. And um, at the end of each episode, we ask the same four questions to our guests and Connor starts with the first. All right. So Haley, I'm going to start with you. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I would say just go for whatever opportunities come up that are related to your passions, even if they're not directly related to the career that you're currently in. I like that. And Shayla? I think being confident in yourself and and what you know and being independent. I'm not saying entirely independent and not having anybody, but being able to be on your own and knowing that you can do that will give you a, a high level of confidence in yourself. And then you just, you, ex, you know, exert that to everybody else. So. And uh, Shayla, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I make sure I stay positive. Um, I think that that's huge for me. Um, if I start, you know, the more negative thoughts that you allow in your head, it, it you know, it, strips you of your confidence of your happiness of anything so if you can just take something and and find positive in it and and keep that going um that's huge yeah for me at least yeah and Haley, how about you what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally i would say um maintaining a good work-life balance and keeping up with my hobbies outside of work i think it's very easy to get enveloped in a position especially like this one and make that your entire identity and just get so wrapped up in work that you you know you don't you don't maintain anything else outside of that and I think that's a really quick way that would lead to burnout so I really really try and make sure that I you know I get everything done that I can possibly get done during my work day and then I go do something else and force my brain to like rewire itself and just focus on other things for a while yeah I really like Shayla's answer though too that's so important (laughs) yeah yeah, I think that makes you better at your job, you know, mm-hmm. if you're if you've got other yeah. things to focus on and, and you, you're using your brain in a different way at other parts of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like um, in personal training that I'm doing right now, he's having me do this ab work, which is not traditional ab work and you don't even know it is, but he's like, yeah, but you don't just move up and down and forward, like you mm-hmm. move sideways too. So I think that that's the same kind of thing with your brain. If you're stretching it in a different direction, it kind of helps you, you know, overall be stronger yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite horse movie, Haley? It's a toss-up for me between Lonesome Dove, the classic, and The Man from Snowy River, which is a Western <laughs> set in Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, I learned to crack a bullwhip from watching that movie so many times as a child. That's awesome. <laughs> and Shayla, what's your favorite horse movie? Return to Snowy River. 100%. That's mine. Yep. That's funny because we have not had that at all until no. the, last, really? the last episode. The woman was from New Zealand and that was hers as well. So that's really yeah. out of oh, that's all so the funny. episodes. Yeah, that's great. Oh, man. It's the best. I love that movie. And I love Lonesome Dove too. But man, I could watch Return to Snow River every day. <laughs> and Shayla, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? Man, I have I have three people. <laughs> um, we'll take them. Yep. My grandmother and my mother, they both paved the way in, for women 
in the Western industry. My mother was one of the first people that worked in a feedlot and one of the first women that um, a rancher made her head honcho to operate a huge ranch. My grandmother did amazing things. Uh, Her stories are incredible and she is an incredible woman of what she has done in the Western industry. Um, Those two for sure. Um, And then one of my best friends, Clarice, I mentioned her earlier. She is up in Wyoming and she works for NRCS and Mm -hmm. she is a brilliant mind and is a lot of knowledge in that field. She would be really cool to talk to. Awesome. Great. Yeah. We'll have to get your grandma's number. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Haley, um, who would you recommend? I have two. So first, um, I'm going to say Sandy Collier. So she is a national ring cow horse legend. She was one of the first um, women pro riders to really make her way. She's in the Hall of Fame. Um, and she, I think, entered into that industry at a time when it kind of was the good old boys club and just really, really paved her way. She's also has done, she's a realtor. I, I think she might also be a pilot. Maybe don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, she's, she's just done all kinds of things. She started out doing three-day eventing, um, but oh. she's just a complete legend. And then also Kristen Kovach Bentley. So she is, she was the managing editor for HorseNation.com for a while. She's heavily involved in the retired racehorse project, mm. both on the thoroughbred and standard bread fronts. And she also is a rancher in Jamestown, New York. And she was my uh, high school riding coach for a while and coached for Alfred University. Nice. Cool. Well, I love those suggestions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a pleasure talking to you and learning more. Yeah, it was nice talking to you guys. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was so fun. Thanks, yeah. ladies. It was really interesting talking to Shayla and Haley. I am... I think because of our contacts, we often get people in the English riding industry. So I thought it was really cool to not only talk to them about their experience uh, in sales and in the agriculture industry, but also, you know, knowing their background is more on the Western side and um, and how, you know, that has helped them as well. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked a lot of the points that they made. Um, especially on the sales and talking about rejection and how they handle it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that Haley had some really good points in and translating like from how she looks at it doing young horses into her sales position and, and using some of that. Uh, I, I think that sometimes we get so wrapped in our horse stuff and we don't think about the outside world and how it can apply. But I know I've said this before, like a lot of my skills that I have for sales and getting my job have really transferred over. And I think sometimes people, if you're looking to make a transition into a different career, you can use those skills to your advantage. And, Uh you know, people, I have a friend who, who is a bartender currently, and she wants to kind of maybe do something else. She groomed racehorses for years and she kind of wants to expand a career. And I was like, look at all the things that you did with horses and traveling around the country and Mm -hmm. organizing things. And, you know, you need to take those skills and put it into your resume so that you can translate that into another job if you want to go into sales. And even if it's like, alcohol beverages, you know, wine. Mm-hmm. I know that people travel around the country and they sell champagne. So like it, she was like, wow, I didn't even think about those things and those mm-hmm. skills. And I'm like, they totally transfer. And I think Haley kind of brought that home, you know? For sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think 
you know, if you've got someone who's worked really hard in a barn for years, they are one of the, like the best employees you can have because right. you know, like, yeah, they're dedicated and they like, if you give them a job where they have a nine to five hours, like how much they appreciate having <laughs> normal work hours as opposed to working in the barn. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's so many skills that can translate out of the barn and into, you know, what we would call a more corporate job. And, um, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, managers and bosses can appreciate those skills once they understand, especially if they're horse people themselves, they understand the dedication and the hard work um, and, you know, what goes into so many of those positions working with horses. Yeah. And sales can be so tough. So mm -hmm. I think that actually it's really good for equestrians because we're so resilient that, you know, you are able to find ways to cope with the rejection. You are able to find ways to develop relationships and make connections and, you know, take those skills into your sales role. So the other thing, you know, I just found it so interesting because like Haley was talking about, she never expected this to be a career that she would go into. And it's one of those things where it's thinking outside the box, which I love, you know, mm -hmm. it's not being a like a lawyer or a doctor or, a, you know, it's not a mm -hmm. cookie cutter type of job. It's thinking outside the box and putting the skills and passions that you have into a job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and Shayla too, you know, like she's got all this background in the cutting horses and now she's able to take her knowledge and, and help develop her relationships from that. And it's, it's not so standard. It's different. And I, I just like us bringing that to our listeners that they can, it may, might spark something inside somebody else to think outside the box. Yeah, for sure. I, love those ideas and and you never know where it's going to lead um and you know how what you're doing now could help you do something else in the future so just keeping your mind open and welcoming you know the possibility of opportunity i think is yeah. important yeah i think that was a really great point that both of them kind of made too was mm -hmm. you know be open to the opportunity and 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 take it, you know, when it comes. So yeah, yeah, it was, was really to talk to them. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and you know, so it's a, a it's a really unique job. But I've got to mm -hmm. run today, so you're going to find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B two B is out twice a month on the first and the fifteenth. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go make those sales. <laughs>